Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Wonderful. Good to pray together. Right, well, it's part three of Shaped, our theme for the year. And uh, a few weeks ago, I kicked off with saying how at the beginning of the year, people want to get in shape, don't they? They make that fresh commitment to get in shape. And there's different ways people do that. They, um, they start exercising more. Maybe they join a gym or rejoin a gym or start turning up to the gym that they're already part of and, uh, you know, lift weights and do all sorts of exercise. But the invitation that we all have all of us here have, and not just at the beginning of the year, and not just in this year, but for the rest of our lives, we are invited by the living God to be shaped by him, according to his plan, according to his purpose, according to his skill, his wisdom. He wants to shape us. All of us. And what I love about this comparison is when you're thinking about the gym, or at least when I'm thinking about dieting, it's all about what I can do, right? But when we talk about God shaping us, when we talk about his heart to shape us, it's all about him. It's not about you. It's not about your intelligence. It's not about your determination. It's not about your strength or things like that. It's about the Lord and his faithfulness, not our goodness, his And so I just want a fresh encouragement to you all. We're all, we're all in his hands. And that's a safe place to be. That's the right place to be. You're in his hands. And throughout this year, beyond this year, when you feel like life is getting the better of you, or you're you're just getting behind, or things aren't going well, you're in his hands. And we took... Some pottery imagery from Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 to 6, a couple of weeks ago. And so I just thought I'd remind you of that, but using a single verse from Isaiah, chapter 64, 64, verse 8. This is what it says. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And uh, to help us further with this uh, today, um, we've got an artist from among our church family uh, who's going to help us. She's going to uh, reenact the potter and do some pottery with some clay today. So I'd love it if you could all welcome up Jockey Amasan. Give her a round of applause. And uh, not only is she doing some pottery for us today... She is the very artist who helped us create this, the Shaped logo. And uh, throughout this year, it's not even finished. So you've got to keep coming back because <laughs> by the end of this year, this shaped sort of portion of the wall will be further shaped, further designed, further have the artist's hands jockey work with it to produce something even more. So we look forward to seeing that. But throughout this sermon, please, you don't have to look at me. If you can, look at Jockey. And particularly, I wanted to uh, just recognise a few things about pottery before we get going into the sermon. Two weeks ago, I mentioned about the potter's hands, the clay's in the potter's hands. When, when the, um, in fact, I'll do this bit. The very start of the process is called the throwdown, the throwing down. And so, Jockey, would you mind? 
where, where the clay is thrown down onto the wheel. And look at the placement for later. Look at the placement in the center of the wheel. And that wheel will spin. And you may think, well, how does it spin? It's as if by magic. Well, for you guys on this side of the room, there's a pedal, a right hand, well, no, right foot pedal that Jockey will be pressing throughout. So it's actually by the pedaling, by her foot, that the wheel will spin. And finally, you all know we're all in it together. We're in the house of God. And you'll, you'll see this reflected in Jeremiah chapter 18. And uh, as I progress through this sermon, just notice the use of water. Water is poured over the clay to make it soft, to make it malleable. And maybe some of you are already drawing some comparisons with how God wants to work with us also. So thank you so much, Jockey. Go ahead, do your thing, the artist at work. Now, there's three things that we've committed as a leadership, at least to start off this year, in terms of how the Lord wants to shape us, shape this church family. The first one was our dependence on him. It's his way, as in his leadership. But also, in response, if we're completely dependent on him, that brings us to the next point, which Magdi preached about last week, was our devotion. God wants to shape our devotion, our worship towards him. So if we're completely trusting in him and him alone, then actually we worship, we devote ourselves to him alone. And today, we're going to be talking about relationships, that God wants to shape our relationships. And the best way for our relationships to be shaped according to the potter, according to God's heart, is that we have Christ-centered relationships, the clay at the center of the wheel in the potter's Hands, And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, the passage of scripture we're going to be using really carries on well from last week. We're jumping into Acts now. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And uh, the context of where we're picking up scripture here is like just immediately after the Pentecost event of the Holy Spirit coming down. So Jesus has died. He has risen again. 40 days later, he ascended into glory. And then 10 days after that, 50 days after resurrection, the Holy Spirit came down on a group of believers. And then other people passing by at this time uh, heard what was going on and asked what was going on. And uh, Peter, one of the apostles, one of the disciples, gave a little gospel message. And at that point, people became believers. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but let me turn myself and we'll read together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Verse 42, that's key. We're going to be looking at that later. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed uh, by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Verse 42 mentions that these new believers 
off the back of this Pentecost event, you'll see a few verses before, 3,000 were added into this church, the early church, the beginning of people filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, it says in verse 42, from that event, they were devoted to four things. The apostles' teaching, to fellowship with one another, believers fellowshipping together, to the breaking of bread together, and finally to prayer. Four things, and we're going to look at those four things and how hopefully they can still apply to the church today. Um, and the reason I say hopefully is what, why are they important for us today? Because it seemed very important. It seemed essential for those who had just come into a relationship with Jesus or those who were walking in a relationship with Jesus, even though they had the Holy Spirit come and fill them in a new way, the presence of God made available to dwell in their hearts, to come upon them, to embolden them, they still were devoted to these four things. And it's because they were devoted to Jesus. They're devoted to growing their relationship with Jesus. They were devoted to making Jesus the center. I uh, share with you that these four things help keep Jesus at the center of their lives. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Keep doing those things, and Jesus remains the center of our lives, and it did for them also. So I've got two main points for today, and they're all about relationship. And the first point to do with relationship is simply God wants to shape or is shaping our relationship with Jesus. Again, it's the play on the potter is doing the work, not we are doing the work. But we've got to stay malleable, we've got to stay shapeable to what the potter is doing, to what God is doing in shaping our relationship with Jesus. And let me say at this point, if it hasn't already been clear, our relationship with Jesus isn't quite like any other relationship. You can't compare it. Nothing beside this relationship because Jesus Christ is the center. This is never a 50-50. This is never at points where, you know, you've got to go a bit harder in the relationship to keep the relationship going. And then sometimes you're tired or things are going on in your life. So you can't apply as much of your part. No, Jesus is always 100%. And he always gives 100% and he is always worthy. He is always worthy. And so we get to have Christ to be at the center of our relationship. And that is for all those who call upon Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They continued to be devoted. So number one, shaping our relationship with Jesus, having Christ at the center means Christ will define us just as the potter defines the clay. The clay doesn't define itself. The potter defines the clay. In fact, the clay only really becomes of value when the potter works with the clay. It's harsh to hear, but sometimes it's helpful to hear the truth, right? We are nothing without Jesus. Nothing. But in Jesus' hands the one who gave up his life for all of us. We are priceless and we are loved and we are cherished. The whole point of the apostles' teaching 
why the disciples were getting round, why, why the believers were getting round the original, you know, 11 disciples and then the 12 eventually. The reason they were getting around there was because of their teaching. But, you know, back in the tradition of the Jewish times they're in, people would be going around and going to synagogue and going to rabbis to, to be taught anyway. So why was this different? And the difference was it was all teaching about Jesus. These 12 people who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, listened to Jesus, saw Jesus in action, were rebuked by Jesus, told off by Jesus, lovingly restored by Jesus. They needed to hear about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Not just simply those miracles, but actually to see him as the miracle maker, but also to hear his commands to know how to live life, how to obey Christ in order to make the Father in heaven happy, to bring pleasure unto his name. They cared about Jesus. And in each one of these four, it's all about Jesus. I want you to recognize, um, if we go back to the potter over here, I know in pottery, we think of the clay as invaluable, but then it becomes something valuable, right? And therefore, we think, oh, it becomes something worthy. Just think of this for a moment in this analogy. The clay, the clay, just the clay, the mud. Let's go that low. The mud is still important to the potter before the potter does anything with it. Some of us, and I, I, I know this, I feel like it's a conditioning of society or just, you know, how people think. We think we're only worthy or we think God will only love us when we are used for his purposes. You have to understand God loves you before you can even do anything for him. He chose you. Christ died for us whilst we were still sinners. And he didn't do it because, oh, because this is what you'll do in return for me. Because you know what? Jesus died for knowledge of knowing some people would not receive the free gift of grace. But he still went through it anyway because he loves. It's not based on your goodness. It's not based on your behavior. It's based on his character, his nature. He's always good and he loves you. And what brings him pleasure and delight is despite our faults and failings, he gets to shape us. He gets to do relationship with us. And the challenge will be ongoing in our lives as we seek to follow Jesus, will we be humble enough to allow the Holy Spirit, the water of the Holy Spirit, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, to soften our hearts so that God can bend us, mold us or shape us or even fix us repair us according to his heart and not our way. Remember, when we're talking about relationships, it's quite easy to see that as outside of yourself. I want to encourage you today, although I've said we are the clay, I want to encourage you as we progress through this um, conversation and preach, our relationships are the clay as well. They're part of us. They're not something outside of us, okay? And therefore... Those relationships are for Jesus, they're about Jesus, and they're defined by Jesus as well. Sorry, so we talked about the apostles' teaching. That's about the knowledge of Christ. 
The second thing the disciples were devoted to, or the, the new church, they were devoted to fellowship. They're devoted to loving one another as Christ had loved them. They're devoted to serving one another. They were devoted to be one, just as Christ had prayed that we would all be one, just as the Father and the Son are one. Fellowship together. And this, this brings me great joy because there's times in my walk with Jesus, and I think many of us may have experienced the same thing, when even though you're in his hands, you're in the potter's hands, it can feel like you can't feel him, right? It can feel like you can't see him or he's not around. This is what's so good about the fellowship of Christ, is that when I can't see him, I know what I can see. I can see the body of Christ loving me and being Christ unto me, loving one another as Christ loves you. And here's the thing. All the while, we, we can't see what God's doing sometimes. We have to trust. And it's other people in my life that have helped me trust in Jesus at crucial times when I've wanted to take the wheel, when I've wanted to shape myself, when I've wanted to abandon the wheel and just do life my own way. It's people in my life, when I can't see Jesus, the fellowship, the oneness, they're his hands and feet. They're helping me and they're guiding me. They're helping me experience the love of Jesus when I feel like I've shut myself off or when I can't have it. Now, further on, it's all about Jesus. Well, breaking bread. Jesus broke bread and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he said, my body is broken unto you. It's reminding ourselves, just as the disciples did, Jesus' sacrifice, that he died on a cross for us. His, his body was broken for us. His blood was poured out for us. His blood was shed for us. Just that sometimes I'm afraid of having to deal with stuff in my life, you know? I feel like I'm not, I can't do it. I can't do this, and I, I have no answers. And uh, sometimes I'm like, nobody else can help me. I'm so broken, right? I, I, I just can't. I'm going to mess it up. And that scares me. And I know sometimes in other people's lives, I don't feel like I can help out, and I, I'm scared. The potter is not scared of the clay. He's, he's not afraid of you. And in fact, he's not afraid of getting his hands dirty. He's not afraid of getting you all over him. And that's what Christ did. Christ was literally the hands of God coming to pick us up, to get us back on track with the potter. But also in doing so, he took on our sin. He took on the world's brokenness. He took on our brokenness. Everything that is out of line, everything that misses the mark came upon Jesus. Not some of it, not some of your mistakes, all of it in its entirety. Nobody's left out from that. It's all come upon the Savior who leaves us righteous and to walk a journey continuing in righteousness. What's cool about this is, again, with the potter, the potter's foot is spinning the wheel, spinning things. So even when life feels like it's going out of control, we trust what we can't see, that foot, the foot of God, spinning the wheel, we trust his way. What I find really interesting about this analogy, we've just talked about the potter's feet and his feet. Oh, sorry, hands and his feet. On the cross, 
Jesus' hands and feet were nailed, nailed to the cross because Jesus wasn't afraid to love us so completely and utterly that he'd give up his life for us and three days later rise again so that he's alive today, which means we can have a relationship with him today and every day. Not just a Sunday, not just a holy day, but forever for the rest of our lives. We can remember Jesus, his sacrifice. Finally, obviously, they prayed together, prayer being a massive element of what the disciples were devoted to. And it was all about seeking after Christ, his presence and his purpose. Remember the analogy about being in his house, the potter's house. It's not our house, it's his. And we get to know him We get to know his ways. We get to know his purposes according to his timing as well. The father, his heart is to shape our relationship with Jesus, that he would be the center. So we can grow in the knowledge of Jesus. We can experience Jesus through others. We can remember Jesus's death and resurrection and ascension into glory. And we can remember as well as seek. We can continue seeking after him. So... Fellowship. We're going to move into my second and final point today. God wants to shape our relationship with Jesus, but he also wants to shape our relationship with one another, with the body of Christ, with all believers. And yes, he does care about the relationships of those who are unbelievers. We're not going to get time to talk about that today, but I know even among us, some of those unbelievers are our friends and family and close loved ones. God cares about that. And I'm not purposely missing it out, but just using the text for today, we've got to address God's heart for the church, God's heart for the believers together in unity. God cares about shaping our relationships with one another, that we would love like him, that we'd serve one another, and that we would be one. And so when you look look at how the disciples were doing in Acts chapter 2, 42, we see they cared about the apostles' teachings. And I want to say at this point, There was the teaching about Jesus, but the disciples were surrounded by the apostles who walked with Jesus for three years. They cared about learning from these 12 disciples, which I'll call apostles. I'll try and remember that from now on. Look, they just had the Holy Spirit fill upon 3,000 people. Holy Spirit filled. The presence of God in your life to, to know God. To, to receive God's love, to have not just a fuzzy feeling, but to know God and to know him so closely. Yet, yet, they decided to get around people who'd walk with Jesus, who could teach them about Jesus. I want to encourage us all, even though the Holy Spirit lives in you, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you've been filled, It's still important to get people around you who've walked with Jesus longer than you to teach you about Jesus and to help you with Jesus and to bring you to account. And we see this in the New Testament later on, all these scriptures, the New Testament written by apostles and other, you know, faithful servants of God. They were encouraging people about who Jesus is. And today, in 2024, it's still all about Jesus. And we still need to fix our eyes on Jesus. If he's the center of our relationship with him, then we're looking to him and not to ourselves. 
It's important that we learn from others, and I don't like saying it, but it's just, it's just the language of the day. It's important to look to other leaders, okay? And leaders, I'm just using that description of those who are ahead of you in your walk with Jesus, okay? Be intentional about that. And that's what the church set up is here for. So many people, they, they, they get their revelation. They have the Holy Spirit in their lives, and then they disassociate from leaders and from people who've journeyed with Jesus for long for a longer time than them, when they could be helped to know Jesus more. That they could also help leaders and inform them the gaps. We can work together. It's about disciples ahead in their walk. Let's get around people who are leaders, who are really servants, okay? Second thing for those disciples was meeting together, the fellowship. Now, in my NIV version... In that passage, it says meeting together three times. So we're getting the importance of meeting together as believers. Now, in the original Greek, it doesn't actually say meeting together once, (laughs) which I think is funny. But it just shows how much the translators realized in what was originally written, how important it was for all these things that people were coming together and coming together regularly. I mean, I know it seems like a tall order here. It says pretty much daily from day to day, and uh, this doesn't seem to actually change much. If we skip two chapters ahead, in chapter 4, verse 32 to the end of the chapter, I'm going to read this to you. It'll come up on the board as well. And Notice how this is basically the same passage. It's just reflected in a different way. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So there was a trust there as well. What I want to get, rather than prescribing how often we need to meet together to do fellowship and and be devoted in that way, just notice the language of they were together or notice the language of of one heart and one mind had things in common. How often do we need to gather together to just make sure in those short accounts or simple hearts is another version, to keep a simple heart that's all about Jesus and that we know one another. Now, it's not really possible... I feel for everybody in this room to know one another deeply in the fellowship, but it is possible for us to have meaningful relationships among this number where we're journeying towards Christ with Christ at the center of those relationships. And the early Christians were devoted to those things. Notice also in these passages, there was a difference between going to the temple where they went to Solomon's colonnade. And remember, colonnade, remember there was a lot of them But then they were meeting in homes. And this brings me on to the breaking the bread point. I don't think they broke bread in the temple with 3,000 or even a large number. I think that happened in homes. Just makes sense. And you know the way we do communion? That's basically how we've understood it as we've progressed. Because this was really new. Jesus said, break bread in remembrance of me. We realized that Passover meal had been superseded by Jesus. And so it became a meal with breaking bread and sharing wine or juice. That happened in homes as part of a meal, part of fellowship, not an element within a Sunday morning service. 
And I'm not even saying I've got the answers here, but I've just felt convicted in my spirit. When was the last time, David, you broke bread and drank wine or juice, you did communion in a home? You know, to have that intentionality of relationship. And so I've got some thinking to do in how we do things. But I know we've got grow groups midweek that meet together, pray together. But it was like, well, I've been relying on just this wider thing where it's only, what, 10, 15 minutes as part of a service. I think there's something of an invitation to go deeper here with knowing the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to make time for something like that in a couple of weeks' time. But I wanted to get at the, the sincerity of doing it in people's homes and coming together in that way. Finally, take it. I've just mentioned communion. And then people pray. They prayed together. And they prayed God's kingdom. It's the kingdom of God they cared about, not the kingdom of themselves, not their way. I want to encourage you as church family members and as just his church, we pray for God's will, not our own. We submit to his will. We surrender unto his shaping, his timing, his purpose. That's what the prayer is that we seek. And you see that in the following chapter, if we were to go back. So in chapter four, um, you know, Peter and uh, John, they end up being in front of other leaders and being questioned by the Sanhedrin. And whilst this was happening, guess what? Believers met together and were praying. And then they even prayed after the Lord's will be done. I finally just want to bring this into a 2024 context at Wellspring Church. So if you wouldn't mind putting up the slide, Chris, I just thought this might be helpful to you. I don't want to spend too much time on this to sidetrack us, but just to realize, I think these essentials are things we need to keep doing today. And uh, this is not you should, you ought to. This is something leaders didn't have to do then. The, the believers were devoted not I'm telling you you should, but I want to tell you how I'm trying to help, how the servant teams here are trying to help. And so raising leaders and then what we call grow leaders groups, they're literally opportunities for people to come into group sessions among the leadership to learn about Jesus together. And then once you finish that, here's the thing, regardless of you doing a team or being a, on a group or something, we get leaders or these people who've come together once a month just to spend time with the leaders, to have conversation. We also, as leaders, want to make ourselves available for one-to-ones and then not even just think restricting it to us. Next week, we've got Gordon and Rachel Hickson coming and Helen Azer because there's leaders who've walked in certain areas of discipline that are further ahead or have more experience or have better stories to tell. And we want to learn from them also. I hope that helps you. The fellowship thing, look, we have grow groups outside of this, midweek groups where people meet together to do relationship together where Jesus is the centre. Jesus is the centre of their relationships. And that's an opportunity in a context to do breaking of bread together as well. There are teams where people come together with the same heart to serve in a certain way. There's teams also doing things where they've just got passions and interests which overlap with other people making Christ the center of those things and journeying together. In fact, this, this hasn't happened yet, but I believe this is the way we're going to reach and transform certain people, groups, and communities, is you taking your passion, your God-given passion, desire, skill, and just meeting with like-minded people and then bringing in unchurched people into those conversations, into those activities, and making Christ the center of it. 
people will come to know Jesus because of that. And oh, I have to big up the family fund. All right, family fund, for those of you who don't know, this church gives the opportunity for anybody at any time to give money to the church that will go directly and only for the specific reason of blessing other people in this church family or people they're reaching to or connected to. In the last year, 2023, £6,500 was given unto this church family and their friends to help support people. Let's give Jesus a round of applause for that. That's incredible. That's literally what's happening here, where there was need. And this is the thing. I realize not, not all of us can know the needs. But if we're in small groups and things like that, somehow, some way through connections, they trickle, people will get the gaps and then they will fill it with the needs, you know? And uh, just wanted to say, you can always give to that. And uh, I think over 20 people were helped. And that helped with, like, unforeseen stuff. So washing machines breaking down, helping out with fridges, helping out with living costs, helping out with the car, helping out with costs, helping out with Christmas. We're here to help one another, to serve one another, to love one another with Christ. And I want to encourage you. So over 20 people were helped. And uh, actually, also, of this congregation or congregations, £6,000 was given. So we're £500 out. So I'm encouraging you, give, 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 and we'll give away. We'll give away, okay? That's all right. I don't really like talking about money, but um, just want to encourage you to serve the body, love the body, um, and I'll continue to do the same as well. Uh, where are we? Okay, breaking bread. I just wanted to encourage you, spending time with people, I know it's my love language, food, and particularly fried food, but we won't unpack. Table for six is, <laughs> I know, I heard that. Uh, people coming together, we're going to try our best as leaders and things to facilitate. Remember, facilitate. We're not saying you do this, you do this. We're just trying to facilitate out of your devotion to Jesus, getting to know people, table for six events sometime this year, six people coming together, maybe even eight, and doing food together in somebody's home, you know? And then open house at the end of a service. Now, we've got to categorise some of this, but we'd love to, in the future, have maybe at the end of one of our services, once a month, I don't know, once a term, there's three destinations you can choose to go to, and you'll mix with other church family members. We're particularly thinking of helping parents at the moment connect with other people, with children of the same age to do lunch together. So there, there's just some ideas, but I know there's ideas among you, there's passions among you. Help us to help you. And let's facilitate spaces where people can put Jesus at the center of their relationships. And finally, prayer. <laughs> this seems We've got a long way to go with this. Let me just be honest with you. Prayer has not been the priority for a long time. And not just in this church, but in terms of what's on God's heart. And not just a... And please don't get into the whole, it's just a to-do list or a, a check-by list, a shopping list. No, to experience God's presence coming together and seeking after him, seeking his fullness, and then interceding for the things on his heart, for our community, for our world, okay? So we do a prayer worship night once a term, every four months. There's prayer every morning, uh, every Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. on Zoom. I know it's early, but all you need to do is put on a dressing gown, and you're good to go. <laughs> um, and we, there's different... Prayer happens in our grow groups. Prayer happens in our teams. Prayer can happen wherever you two or three are gathered together. There's Jesus with you. Let him be the center. Pray. And I want to encourage you. There's things we haven't set up, but we're, we're trying to help facilitate so that people can pray. 
Uh, we prayed for Daphne earlier on. She's actually the oldest member, I believe, of Wellspring Church. She lives in Dyson Court. She started a prayer meeting for Dyson Court. Amazing. She can do it. We can all do it, right? But where, where your place, where your position, where God's put on your heart. I know for many parents, there's this cry, this God-given cry to see their, genera- their children, their next, the next generation rise up for Jesus. So we're going to facilitate that. I want to encourage you. These things are non-negotiables. We've got to do these things. This is how Wellspring Church is trying to do it. But you are all adults and you're capable of relating to one another and doing things. If there's things I haven't mentioned, I'm sorry if that's offended you. But if there's things that I haven't mentioned that you think, wow, we could, then please come. We're open. The leaders here are here to serve. We're here to oversee, but we're not here to lord it over you. So I invite you to these things. And if you want to know more, there's always the website. But there's just relationship. Come and speak to the leaders as well. Right. Well, that got very practical. Um, I hope that helps. But let's bring it back. Christ-centered relationships. It starts with the Christ at the center of your relationship. No one beside him. Just Christ. Okay? And Christ in our relationships. Are we willing to allow God to shape our relationships. And I know as I come to respond, there's people who've been hurt by relationships, disappointed by relationships, or lacking relationships. And I want to encourage you, God's heart for you is still to have Christ-centered relationships. And where things have fallen short, where things have hurt you, where things you feel have actually broken you or caused, I don't know, a misshaping of you, a misgiving of you, I want to encourage you, God's heart is not for you to give up. God's heart is always to heal, restore, to fix, but also for you to rise up and be able to forgive as well and to work with. It doesn't mean mean all the circumstances change, I understand, but God wants to be the center of that relationship because it belongs to him. He defines who you are, so let him define your relationships also. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit, like water, to come full afresh upon us, that we would be soft, that we would be tender, that the Lord can work his will and good purpose in our lives. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness towards us. And so we pray right now, knowing you're abundant Father, to come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord God, we want your shaping. We want you to mold and make us according to your plan and will. We we surrender and submit our relationships to you in that as well. And so, Lord God, even across this room where maybe particular relationships are coming up, past pains or experiences, Lord God, I just pray you tenderly in your perfect wisdom and skill speak into that right now Holy Spirit come and Father if there's anything not right between us and you if there's anything in the way if Jesus is not 100% if Jesus is not the centre right now Lord Jesus we, we just say we're sorry sorry for the misshaping that's taken place sorry for not looking to you sorry for not having you at the center. Sorry for running away from you. Sorry for taking my life into my own arms and hands. Lord God, sorry. But right now, would you make things right? We come back to you and say we're sorry.
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in person and online.